Welcome back. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. It is 8.04am. I'm looking out the studio window and it's a beautiful sunny day. But it's, it's not mad warm. windy though. Yeah. Like it is cold and freezing wind chill factor It's an angry wind. Charts. That wind needs that's to right. listen to our last interview and learn to regulate its angry yeah, emotions. That's right. Hey, increase your EQ. Thank yeah. you very much. But hey, it has come time. We're going to have another question for the quiz. Yes. What colour did Isaiah use to describe sin? Oh. Hey, hey, hey. Getting a bit artistic in here. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. What color did was it Isaiah? Isaiah. What did he use to describe sin? If you know the answer, give us a text at that number, and you will go into the draw to win our prize. Which what what is our prize for it's this? It's our week? double pack. Um, it's the Hope of Glory and our Heart Calling two devotional box gift set. A wonderful, wonderful gift set. If you want to start your devotions or get ready for next year, you do one book in the morning, one book in the evening. So yeah, mm. Really good prize this week. Amazing stuff. Hey, I've got some text messages that have come through, and I was expecting them to come through oh, yeah. um, regarding the show this morning. The first one here says, LGBT fight for the right to have the freedom to live life as they choose. Why then are they on a mission to push their ideology onto everyone? Mm-hmm. We also have our belief system. What if we were we forced people to wear the true meaning of the rainbow according to our belief? A reminder of God's commitment to us, to, to his I covenant. I was thinking the same thing. To us. Um, it is a symbol of hope. Um, kesh, keshet, keshet, Hebrew, meaning a bow in the sky, God's eternal sign. That was from Paula. And yeah, I, I kind of agree. By, by, by. I was thinking the whole time, I was like, what if we forced the LGBTQ people to, like, wear T-shirts that had, like, Bible verses on them? They wouldn't like that. So yeah, that's they, right. Yeah. Um, and it's like, okay, but, like, can you yourself wear a T-shirt with a Bible verse? Absolutely. Yeah, that that is your right, 100%. And can can an LGBT person wear a T-shirt with a rainbow? Uh-huh. Yep. Even though, again, like I, I like the point of this text message for you. They made, they kind of appropriated our symbol. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's true. It's like, yep, you can do what you want. But again, to, um, to make a sports team an entity, um, and the players on a sports team who don't agree with your ideology, um, yeah, proponents of your message and your ideology. And then to villainize them when they don't want to do it. Yeah. It's yeah. bad optics, bad times. Um, the Manly Seagull saga, though I also wouldn't wear the inclusion supporting logos as it is something I do not support or agree with, but as that other person said, they have gambling and alcohol brands on their uniform, so yes, a touch hypocritical, but I guess when they help pay their salary, I can understand them being more reluctant to boycott that, (laughs) but I guess we could also say that if you're a Christian, the Bible clearly says you should have a day of rest. And sports play on both Saturday and Sunday. Yep, there you go. Yeah, so the point the point I was trying to make, um, you know, about like the, the gambling and you know alcohol companies and, and whatnot is like, um, I, I, it's just particularly gambling. Like I, Monica, I know you did say like, oh yeah, there are plenty of Christians that will go down the casino, but from a theological standpoint, like you know, whatever church these people are attached to, whether it's non denominational, mainline Protestant denominations. Like there is so like amongst Christians, there is so such a widespread denunciation of gambling. Like there, there really is, and so I, I, I yeah, I just find it interesting. Um, but as this person is saying, the gambling companies are paying the bills, so I guess yeah, there is that reluctance, and the LGBT isn't necessarily doing that. Now these people can be Christian in their own way and say, oh no, gambling's actually okay, but I'm still against LGBT according to what the Bible says, and. 
you know, for me as a Christian, I'm like, well, are we then being honest to what the Bible says? But, you know, everyone's on that journey and can have that stance. Finally here, actually, though, questioning kind of all that we've been saying on that, it says, are the rugby players even Christian, though? There are non-Christians who still believe in traditional genders. Yep. Um, yeah, I would agree with that, too. I know, I know plenty of them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether it's family or friends or whatever it may be, of people who aren't Christian, who don't have a series of beliefs that, re- you know, that are related to Christian or maybe Islam or any other, you know, like ideal, like theological, sorry, beliefs about God, um, but they don't subscribe to, you know, supporting the, you know, LGBT community or you know, non-traditional views on gender. So, yeah, definitely, it could be the 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 fact that they. They're, they're coming from that perspective, but it's very unlikely that they would boycott a game because of a personal stance that isn't informed by religion, particularly when the playing of that game earns them money. Hmm. Um, and and this is just me speaking from an anecdotal perspective, from the people that I know who feel that way about these certain issues um, and have those opinions on gender. If I believe if many of them, if they're in that position would just play anyway because they're like, well, it's money, it's my paycheck. Uh, but in terms of, yeah, like it's more likely that these people are coming from a religious perspective um, than anything else. But, guys, thank you for the text messages. That's kind of all, all we've got time for for text messages right now. And we're going to get into our Bible study today. We're going to be talking about a particular character in the Bible whose name is Job. I mean, Job. His name is Job, uh, which is but it's spelt J-O-B. You know, the interesting thing is that, like, like for the most part, um, when it comes to Hebrew names, they're, like, transliterated from Hebrew into English, right? Because they're, they're not written in English. And I guess if you wanted to, you can add an E on to the end. But, you know, translators said, no, it's Job, J-O-B. Because if we pronounce it the way that the Spanish speakers pronounce Jose, Jobe. Oh, Jobe. Well, they don't. Well, they would probably say Jobe if it was if, if that was Spanish. Um, but we're going oh, go to go. That'd be kind of cool. I like that. Jobe. That's actually a cool name. It's kind of like, like it. you know, well, there's like Kobe, like yeah. Kobe Bryant, or maybe you could, you could yeah. be Hobie, yeah. Hobe. Yeah, like Hobie, Hobe, something like that. The problem is you, you'd be the uh, the ire of like every school teacher who, <laughs> or every substitute teacher, and mm-hmm. po- people would be constantly getting. <laughs> your name incorrect. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's a tough life. It's a tough life. Uh, m- one of my f- friends, I was talking about him this morning. Actually, his name's Jose, and Jose is spelled J O S E. And there are some people like that call him Hose, and there are like when they hear when they um when they write his name when they've just heard his name, they'll write it like H O S E, like Hose. And then there are some people who see his name, they're like oh Josie, Josie. Like he'll go to like a restaurant or something. They're like oh yeah, food for Josie. And he's like, that's tough. <laughs> uh, but ultimately, yeah, you know, if you're going to have a J in your name, make sure it's not foreign. You know, be, be a Jason. Because if, <laughs> if, if it's not, like, like, life's going to be difficult for you. Or another example is like, so like the, the name Jamie, right, which is like J-A-I-M-E, mm-hmm. is like pronounced in English, Jamie, but in Spain. There are many Jamies, but they're Jaime. Oh, oh, like Jaime Jorge. Yeah, like yeah, literally, yeah. Jamie George. So, Jaime. Um, I there was there was one guy. What was his last name? I don't remember. 
was this guy I knew in Spain. His name was Jaime. I think it was like Garcia, Jaime Garcia or something like that. But anyways, you're listening to The Breakfast Show. You're listening to Encounter with God. We're going to do a Bible study on the book of Job. And we're going to get introduced to this person who definitely went through a crucible, a trial. That's what we've been looking at in our theme this week. We've been looking at crucibles. And, you know, we, we've come to a conclusion on what the definition of crucible is. It's a, uh, a big pot that you melt metals in. And we're going to be looking at the experience that Job has in relation to the crucible. Uh, because, you know, the purpose of a crucible, the reason you melt those metals is to refine them to make them better, to make them pure. And we're going to see uh, Job's experience. We're going to ask the question. I keep nearly calling him Job or Hope. Uh, we're going to see Job's experience, and we're going to see whether, yeah, he was tested, whether he was refined and put in the extreme heat of the crucible, which I believe he probably was. In fact, he's someone that we've already referenced this week in regards to the Bible study. But let's start in Job chapter 1. Uh, and we're going to start in reading verse 1 to 6, getting an introduction, or 1 to 5, getting an introduction to who Job is, the life that he led, the kind of person that he was, and the character that he had. So, Monica, if you can pick it up for us, Job chapter 1 and verse 1. There was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 team of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. This was Job's regular practice. One day... Okay, yep, stop right there. All right, so we get introduced to this guy named Job. What kind of man is Job? He's obviously a father who's interested in the spiritual welfare of his kids. That's right. Yeah. But there's not only the spiritual welfare of his kids. But he's also filthy, filthy rich. He's filthy rich. He's interested in the spiritual welfare of himself, the people mm-hmm. around him. He's interested in the well-being of the people around him. In fact, the Bible goes as far as to call him a blameless and upright man. Yeah. He's a good dude. And if, if the Bible is calling him that, you know, we can see many people around us who maybe look good on the outside, but aren't that good. Yeah, just the, P.S. If any of our listeners are blameless, upright, and filthy rich and single, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a dope. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, we're, well, this guy is a catch, right, as well. Like, mm-hmm. he, from every single perspective, we see him as he's in the land of us. He, he's the man. Yeah. And he's is filthy rich, you know, to have this like five hundred donkeys, five hundred yoke of oxen, a very large household, seven thousand sheep. Like you're rich today if you own that yeah, much. Absolutely. You really would be. I remember Lyle did the did the math um when we were in Africa about how much each cattle is worth and what that equates to. And this actually is a lot of money even today. We're talking about a, a person who is in the one percent. The upper yeah. echelons of society. This guy is rich. He's a millionaire. That's right. He is the CEO of a shepherding empire. Mm-hmm. And he is not only like fantastically rich 
but he loves God. Yeah. He loves God. Um, and I, I believe it's probably one of the reasons why he's so blessed. He follows God's principles in his life. Yep. And he receives the natural blessings of mm-hmm. such. You know, uh, this is something I, I'm a huge proponent of. It's something I've talked about a bunch. I recently talked about it in a sermon, you know, the, the natural and supernatural blessings that come with following God. There are the supernatural blessings, which is like, you know, literally if you endeavor to be a child of God and to follow him, that he'll work in your life in a powerful way. Simultaneously, if you just uphold the ideals of God in many ways, you'll be many ways you'll be blessed. True. You know, by not killing people, you'll be blessed. Yes. Like in a very natural way. Absolutely. Um, by not stealing from people, you'll be blessed. And by, you know, um, following stewardship, you know. Principles. Yeah. You'll be blessed. That's right. You know, by practicing generosity, you'll have it come back to you. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just natural things that happen. This is the natural consequences of your actions. And Job is experiencing all of it. He is living an incredible life. And he's also giving an incredible life to his children as well. Like, you know, I think that there is, you know, no greater desire for a a parent than to be there supporting their children um, and to establish them, and especially in the, in the ancient world in which, um, you know, most businesses were family businesses. And this guy, this guy has set up his kids. Yeah, he really has. But not only has he set up his kids financially, but he's set them up spiritually as well. You know, they're all, they are, these are, this is a healthy, amazing, incredible family that Job lives in. And it is fully the result of what God has done for him. You know, which is often a response. Like, God has done this for him because Job has proven to be someone who will follow God. You know, the Bible says, you know, faithful in the little, faithful in the much. And Job is faithful. And we see a life that reflects that. Um, Even to the point where he says, like, he offers up burnt offerings for his children in case any of those them sin as well. Now, Job can't repent on behalf of his children necessarily. You know, that's the job of each child. But he's offering up offering for them in the sense that he is coming and he, like he is personally, he's praying intercessory prayer for them. He's like, God, like, please work in the hearts and the lives of my children so that they're not disconnected from you. I know who you are. I love you. And I love my children. And I want them to be close to you. Like, the perfect dad. Yeah, a great example for parents. Yeah, definitely. You know, going back to the parenting classes we were mm-hmm. talking about yesterday. Just study Job. Just study Job. Now, we're not necessarily advocating for you to go out and kill animals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not necessary. The intercessory prayer is a huge component. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Being, being a spiritual example and a mentor to your children. Like, this guy is incredible. Now, let's see. What comes upon Job? As the result of his faithfulness, you think, okay, Job has been faithful, therefore his life should be better. Hmm. Hmm. Let's see what happens. Let's pick it up in verse 6. Do you want to read for us verse 6 and verse 7? One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser Satan came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Mm. Okay, let's get let's we we get a scene shift right here. It's like okay, you're looking at Job, he's doing his thing. Then the scene shifts up to heaven. Something happening at the same time. All right, who are the characters involved right now? We have uh, the members of the heavenly court. Mm-hmm. We have uh, the Lord, and mm-hmm. we have Satan, the accuser. Epic. Okay, so we have a meeting that's going down in heaven. In my Bible, it says the sons of God, and some people could see that and they say, oh, okay, no, isn't this a meeting on earth? 
Um, but if this was the sons of God presenting themselves before the Lord, you know, who is the sons of God, you know, those who are following God on the earth, and it's like, would, you know, like, would Job be included in this meeting if it was happening on earth? Is he a son of God? Does he follow God? Yeah. Yeah. But he's not included in this meeting. No. So therefore, it's like, okay, then this meeting isn't happening on earth. Whereas it happening in your Bible that takes a bit more of an interpretive approach. It says, I believe correctly, the sons of God. And this is what we see in Luke chapter 3, where the Bible, you know, goes through the genealogy of Jesus and it, you know, points out all these people. And then it get, and it says, that, well, this person was the son of this person. This person was the son of this person. And Abel was the son, oh, sorry, Seth was the son of uh, Adam and Adam, the son of God. Yeah. Because Adam, who created Adam? Jesus. Well, God. God. That's right. Adam was created by God. He didn't have any progenerate, progenerative, progenitive. He didn't have parents that gave birth to him, yeah. essentially. Uh, he was created by God. And so we're seeing a scenario where in heaven, those who have been created by God, the representat- the representatives of the different, uh, yeah. Creations. Creations. Around the universe. This is a the, an interplanetary universal meeting. This is what I, uh, literally one of my most favorite verses of the Bible because it makes me so excited about going to heaven and going traveling, like, galactically. That's right. This As is, a traveler, this makes me, like, throth. <laughs> this is an intergalactic meeting amongst the head of each of God's creations. And who should be there but not? Uh, who should be there but is not? Yeah, Adam? right. Adam, yeah, yeah, because it's all the sons of God. And who was the son of God? Adam. And why isn't he there? He's dead. He's dead. I thought you were going to say who is there but shouldn't be. I'm like, Satan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but who is there but shouldn't yeah. be? Yeah, Satan. Mm-hmm. But actually, he makes a claim here he because does. God asks him, he's like, hey, why are you here? Like, what What are you doing? Like, you're Satan. You know, by this point, he's already been booted out of heaven. Like, you know, he's he's on the earth and then he shows up back in heaven. And God's like, what are you doing here? Like, mm. what, what what's going on? And Satan says, actually... <laughs> I've been running back to and fro on the earth. What do you think he means by this statement? He, I think he makes him, he's trying to make him sound like, himself sound like he owns earth. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And what gives him ownership of earth? The fact that he lives there? <laughs> well, he lives there, but why? Like, why? He got, he got um, uh, thrown out there. Yeah, he, so, okay, yeah, he got thrown out there. Sure, I live on earth. Do I have ownership of the earth? No. So why can Clayton, uh, why Clayton. can Clayton, why can, uh, sorry to allow Clayton's <laughs> listening today. Why can Satan claim ownership? That's, that's the big question here. Uh, Jesus even calls Satan at one point, the prince of this world. How come he has this authority? Is it because uh, earth is the only place that has sin? Yes. Yes. That is the express answer. Earth has decided to make Satan their king, essentially. Uh-huh. And how have they decided to do that? Every time they sin. They, they, they followed him. Yeah. Their actions reflect following Satan. Uh-huh. And the fact that sin exists, it reflects a choice that humanity has made to crown Satan the moral king of the world. Which is a choice we make every day when we sin. That's right. That's ultimately what they've done. And so he shows up. He's like, okay, here's the the races, you know, the, all the representative from all the different uh, creation from all over the universe. And Satan shows up, and he's like, yeah, I'm here to represent Earth. I've been running back to and fro. I'm I'm all over this place. Everyone follows me. Then God responds. Do you want to read for us verse eight? Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. So God brings Satan a simple retort. He says, 
basically, are you sure you own Earth? Mm. Are you sure everyone follows you? Have you heard of this guy named Joe? Does he follow you? Is he your servant? And then he goes on to, you know, God lists Job's credentials, which is just amazing. He's like, he's a faithful dude. He's a blameless man. Does he follow you? Is, is, is he your servant? We'll see. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Yeah, we do, rather. Oh, and by the way, don't forget, all our answers have something in common. And if you know what that thing is, you can also get an extra um, draw into the prize today, into the, into the draw for the prize on Friday. What plant food did the complaining Israelites recall longingly from their years of slavery in Egypt? Hmm, nice little uh, vegan... <laughs> Food substance. If you know what that one was, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Give us a text, not a call today, please. Just a text. Uh, what plant food did the complaining Israelites recall longingly from their years of slavery in Egypt? Mm. And it goes along with our theme, which, by the way, if you haven't worked it out, was the letter C. There was some for the last question. What? What are you looking at me like that for? What did you, don't give away the answers. Why not? Because we're not there yet. No, but that's that's like kind of an answer. No, I just said that they, if they could get the, the theme, like what the, the answer still had in common as well, they could get another draw into the prize. And you just gave it away. Yeah, but we uh, we told them that like three questions ago. No, we didn't. We just said there was a theme. We didn't mention what it was. Lawson. But like they don't, I'm, I, I, if that, mm. I said that there was a theme. They all had something. All the answers had something in common. If they knew what it was, they could figure it out. They get an extra. But draw. many people have already texted in the theme. <laughs> they were already texting and they all got the it answers. Correct. Well, we don't we don't give away the answers of the next segment. I think because you were texting just now, you were confused about where we were up to in our show. I think it might be the real issue. I was texting the <laughs> listeners. Okay, nah, I was nah. I was telling you not paying which a single scrap correct. of attention. <laughs> Let's get back to Job. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. That's the number to text. But hey, we're going to continue talking about Job. Okay, so this meeting happens in heaven. Satan shows up. He's like, "I'm the man from Earth. Like, I have the right to be here." And God's like, "Well, do you? Does Job follow you? And you know, like, does he like?" Job is like a really upstanding guy who's so amazing. Like, he follows me. Are you sure you're the representative of Earth? And then we're going to see Satan's response here. So let's pick it up. Let's see. Maybe verse 9. Do you want to read from verse 9 to verse 12? Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take everything he has, take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with him he possesses and everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Mm. The plot thickens. Okay, so we see here Satan make an accusation against Job. Like, you know, we often, like, we we see people who are rich and famous and maybe very philanthropic and very cool and very good. But you always, there's always that niggling thought in the back of your mind. Like, oh, like, you know, maybe there's something going on back there. And maybe that's just a reflection of our judgmentalness as humans. Uh, But 
you know, the, the the Satan has raised, you know, Satan who has the ability to know people better than any human could know someone because he is an angel who is very smart and has the ability to observe people when they can't see him. <laughs> like the, um, the like God says back to Satan, like, hey, actually not everyone follows you. There's this guy, his name's Job, he's upright. And Satan, you know, Satan, Satan can't say to God, he can't say, oh, well, actually Job did this because the reality is, is that God knows just as much, if not more than Satan. And God, uh, sorry, Satan has no ability to say to God, Satan has no ability to say to God, oh, well, you didn't see this because God knows. Right. So he's like, okay, well, Job really didn't do anything. Oh, okay. You know, he has sinned and fallen, but every, in every way that he sinned, he's repented. So. Oh, I don't really, I don't really have anything on this guy. Oh, you know why he doesn't do it? You bought him, God. That, that's ultimately his solution. He's like, God, you bought him out. You bribed him. You're a god. You're a mafioso, and you've just told this guy, you know, not to sin by giving him money. And how is that really motivation for people to love you and not sin? That's ultimately Satan's accusation back. He's like, you've just bought him. He just, you just love him. He just loves you because you give him stuff. Yeah, this is pretty indicative of the fact that Satan does not understand love. Yeah. He thinks the only way that, you know, you can win loyalty is by paying people That's off. That's right. It's so interesting, though. Like, the the case that God makes that Job loves him is the fact that he is blameless and upright, mm-hmm. that he follows his dictates, his laws, and that he, you know, relies on God for repentance, which is very much in line with, you know, I, my mind goes immediately to somewhere like First John, First uh, John chapter two, where it says like, and this is how we know that we love God, that we keep His commandments. Mm. Um, and it's like that—that's what Job is doing. That's his life, and he's like, okay, there's there's nothing I can say about how J- Satan is like. There's nothing I can say about how Job is break broke God's commandments. So what am I going to do? I'm going to accuse. I'm going to accuse him of only keeping God's commandments. Because he's paid. Now, can you keep God's commandments for any, from any other reason or for any other, like, from any ability outside of God enabling you to keep them? No. Like, it's impossible to keep God's commandments because we are fallen, sinful human beings. And, and I think this is a reflection of just Satan not understanding how that takes place. Um, we can only keep God's commandments by the work that he does in us, not because he's going to, God could give me all the money in the world and I would still break his commandments because I'm a sinful human being. That's who I am. But Job is blameless. Satan makes this accusation. And then what does God say in response? Like, what does God say he, he should do? He actually um, allows him to be tested. He says, all right, let's test him. Like, yeah. Do whatever you want with him, whatever thing, uh, with everything that he owns, just don't harm him physically. Yeah. Okay. So he lays down a, bit, a couple of rules there as well. And by harm him physically, now Job does get afflicted, afflicted physically, but he doesn't die. die. Yeah. Now what happens to Job? You know, what are some of the highlights of his experience from this point forward? He, his family dies apart from his wife, so all his all his children perish, his sons and his daughters. He mm-hmm. loses everything he owns, all his cattle, everything, all his staff, mm-hmm. and he becomes horribly sick. I think he gets covered in boils, doesn't he? Boils and sores and stuff. And so, yeah, he, he every like he really hits rock bottom. Yeah, even his friends and his wife become contentious and tell him to just curse God and die. Yeah, they're like, you know, his friends are like, God is punishing you because you're a bad person. Yeah. <sighs> As much as he was fabulously rich and set up beforehand, he's like the opposite now. His wife is like, curse God and die. Like, leave God. He doesn't love you. Mm -hmm. And in the end, you know, Job sits there and says, you know, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. You know, blessed be the name of the Lord. Like, you know, just as God. 
we see this lesson from Job essentially. Like Job doesn't know the reason why this is happening to him, but he knows like regardless of what God gives him, he knows that God is good. And if he just continually pursues God in spite of his circumstances, things will work out in God's favor and things will work out in his favor. And now as a result of Job's faithfulness, Satan is ultimately proved long, wrong and the existence of true, true love is proven to exist. Like, this is a win for the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. But Job doesn't know. All Job knows is, I'm being tried. I'm being tested. I'm going to rely on God. Amen. And that's all we can do. You know, we don't know why bad situations and bad things come upon us. But all we can do is say, God gives, he takes takes away. I'm going to rely on him. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You are listening to The Breakfast Show, and before we get into question of the day, we're going to have a, a number of answers yes. for the quiz. Jesus said it was more likely for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. Not a motorbike, Mr. Walters, but almost. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, ancient motorcycle. Ancient motorcycle. Mm. Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, uh, practiced carpenter as his occupation. Uh, the foldable material, according to Jeremiah, that represented Israel in the hands of God was clay. Mm. The color Isaiah used to describe sin was crimson. Mm-hmm. And the plant food that the complaining Israelites longingly recalled from the years of slavery in Egypt was a cucumber. 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 That's right, a cucumber. There was, there was a lot of answers for the last one. People saying uh, leeks and manna and onions, but it was, yeah, specifically. And the, the, the run-through theme was that all the answers started with the letter C. That's right. That's right. So congratulations if you got that correct. But right now we're going to have our question of the day. And Monica, what, yes. what, are, what are the people asking? Well, this one's coming in from Karen. Thanks, Karen. And it says, did the serpent have a choice when used by Satan to deceive Eve? If not, why was it cursed by God? Now, this is an interesting question because there are two, there are two schools of thought when it comes to the serpent. <clears throat> the first school of thought is that it was a serpent that was possessed by Satan, as the text message kind of indicates. The second school of thought is that it was Satan transformed into a serpent. So he had kind of shape-shifted into a serpent, which is totally plausible and possible. Like 100%, you know, demons have the ability to... Or like angels, which Satan is, demons are just bad angels, have the ability to to be able to do that. Now, either which way, um, Satan comes to Eve presenting himself as a serpent, you know, not as an evil angel. And I think that's why, like, that's one of the most compelling factors of Satan's argument is the fact that a serpent is talking. Which doesn't happen. Now, This what this doesn't reflect to us is that all animals could talk back in the day. No, that was the thing that caught Eve by surprise. That was part of this, of Satan's argument. It's like, look at me, I'm a serpent and I can talk. And so in the reality, it was, it was Satan. Now, um, it comes and convinces her to eat the fruit and Eve eats the fruit. And as a result, you know, Satan enables sin within humanity. And then uh, as a result of all of that, we read in verse 14, it says, because you have done this, this is chapter three in verse 14, the book of Genesis, because you have done this, you are more cursed than all the cattle, more than every beast of the field on your belly. You shall go and you shall eat dust and all the days of your, all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and you shall bruise 
your head and you, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, this is actually a um, prophecy, that second verse there, verse 15, a prophecy to the work that Jesus would do in destroying Satan and destroying sin. Um, but what we see here is a curse pronounced on the serpent. Now, the question is, okay, if he wasn't on his belly, then what was he doing? Did he have legs? And it's like, well, do serpents have legs today? And the answer is no. There are lizards that exist. It's very likely that the serpent was actually previously a flying animal. Um, and the reason for this is because many depictions of the serpent that comes from the ancient world, that comes from these ancient religions, uh, many traditions and stories that have been passed down is the idea of a serpent with wings. Now, this could just be mythical, and maybe the serpent used to have legs. But what we do know is that the serpent was then condemned to go along the the ground on its belly. Now, the question is, okay, if the serpent was being possessed by Satan, did the serpent deserve this? Or if the serpent was being, you know, like... um, Welcoming of Satan. Being welcome, but then it's like it's an animal. It's a serpent. It's not a human. It, it, like serpents can't speak, and they couldn't speak that back then. That, again, that was the compelling part about the serpent's argument: is that look at me, I can talk, and it's because I ate the fruit. Um, so, like, but also, if say, Satan is just shape shifting himself into the image of a serpent, does the serpent deserve to be cursed and to go along the ground on its belly? I think ultimately, because the serpent was such a beautiful creature and because it was used by Satan, then it's cursed more than anything as a sign, as a sign to humanity to go, oh, you know, this thing that previously used to fly, well, it doesn't fly anymore. And this is the reason why, because it was used to bring sin to the earth. It was a reminder to humanity as to to what the power of Satan is and why they shouldn't sin. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM. We're going to give away some stuff for free. Just be the first person to call through and I'm going to give you a copy of The Noble Character. It's another another E.G. White devotional. It's a 365 daily devotional to transform Mm -hmm. your life. So it's written um, page a day. And I love the blurb. It says this. In this world of anything goes, many are forming anything but noble characters. It mm. seems like what was right is now neither either forgotten or deemed unnecessary. Yet without noble characters, we will never be what God wants us to be. Mm. As you read this daily devotional book compiled from the Remnant Study Bible, you'll discover how much God loves you and what he wants you to be. You'll find answers to difficult questions and discover new and practical ways to help form the noble character you long for. This is a beautiful book, and the cover is one of those oh, unsettling photographs of a lion where like, it's staring into your soul mm. with its amber eyes. Beautiful, beautiful book. The Noble Character E.G. White Devotional. Just to be the first person to call through right now on 0491064669. We are now taking calls, so give us a call, um, and you could be the person to take that home completely for free. That's right. <laughs> hey, we'll give it to you. Guys, thank you for listening this morning. As I said a bit earlier in the show, I'm looking out the window. I'm seeing a bright, sunny day. I have, I have a day to look forward to of going to Newcastle Uni, doing Bible studies with people, meeting up, playing basketball, hopefully. You know, just... Just getting it done. Just I'm going to have boba. Life. Bubble tea. Boba. Bubble tea. Boba. Oh. <laughs> we'll continue this tomorrow. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. All right. But hey, look, we want to advise you to spend your day with Jesus. Follow him. Learn about him. Get to know him more. Of course, as you go through the day, spend some time with Jesus and spend some time in Bible study by yourself. There's no substitute for it. Do not forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you.
keep securely 